Hello, this is podcast 308 of the Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm Nisha O'Reilly. So this podcast is an intro into optimizing educational environments. It's an intro into season 8, but unusually I'm going to keep season 7 going in the background. I'm going to alternate between them, I think. Because for me, season 7 was very current work that I'm doing and it's for that kind of teen grouping which is kind of extended out beyond teenagers in my mind but it's a very current reaction to my work and to where humanity is at at the moment and there's a lot rolling around in my head so in a lot of ways this podcast is a sort of a hello because I haven't recorded a podcast for over a week since I take clients on for life, they can come back at any point and emerge from the cave, as I put it. And it's one of those seasons where that's been happening. And this is why I take on less than a handful of new clients every month, really. Because it allows me to really focus on changing cycles. It allows me to keep in touch with others. And it allows me to still work on the future with the podcast and the writing. And that's kind of how I roll. It's incredibly intense, the work in the beginning, for a long-term gain. I don't believe in doing session after session after session to get results. I do really concentrated work with people. There's always times where it's particularly intense because it's cycles, I suppose, both in the year and the seasons and in life. We're both looking at the tail end of the pandemic as everybody sort of re-emerges to the backdrop of the Ukraine war, which has really impacted everybody. Because I think it's probably the first war that's been truly played out on social media. So that's what I mean. I can see me going back to season seven to talk about a lot of things. And maybe some of the work that... I've been having conversations about and doing work on maybe for about 10 years now, particularly the last eight, is around the transgender journey. And the more that I start to work in this and the more that I form my ideas around it, the more I think I'm going to start to talk about it. Because for me, I think it's actually the penultimate development journey. And in many ways, I think it's almost treated like a life goal, like it's a destination to get to, when it's not like that at all. It's, it's, it's a journey that has to take place in alignment with the rest of your life. And I think there are many misconceptions and many colliding conversations. And I think for me, as I said, it's like it's the penultimate development journey. It's like you get to run around the track and do an extra lap to everyone else, to start as a being, to then go out and fulfill your life purpose while doing this really intense journey that other people don't have to do. So I can see me going back to season seven in particular to talk about that. And I think I was really struck this week by the UK Prime Minister's comments towards transgender athletes. And what instantly came up for me in the conversation, and I'm actually going to attach a link to 
It's an Irish newspaper article on the Paralympics. And I was reminded that I had had a student who was um, a Paralympian athlete. She was a javelin thrower. And through my conversations with her, and actually through, through other people now that I start to think about it, I realise that there's, there's a whole measuring process that takes place. Like, it's exceedingly intense. And I remember that one of her arms was fractionally longer than the other. And that, that placed her in a different category of ability as a result. So when you go forward for something like the Paralympics, like we, we look at every aspect of you because you're not considered to be normal or what we think an Olympian athlete, what their physique and their abilities should be. So everything is taken into consideration. Everything is micro measured and categorized and people are placed competing against each other to match up all of these parameters whereas in the olympics we don't think about any of that we just categorize people as male or female whether they're going into a particular event or not and so of course this conversation is now going to get incredibly complicated but nobody's on, like it's very possible to to measure the the hormone levels, the body mass levels, the muscle density levels, the physique of people to look at their height and their build. But we're not even considering doing that because we simply see people as either being male or female, and we see this as something incredibly normalized that we've never had to consider beyond. And in many ways, I think the Olympics this year really demonstrated the impacts of drugs yet again. And again, I don't really feel like we have proper data. So you have an organization that certainly has the resources to look at things in a much more detailed way than they are. But they're not even considering that at the moment. And they're just making very sweeping statements based on perceptions and what's normalized. So it is like there's a lot rolling around in my head at the moment around how we measure people. And so essentially this podcast series is going to be on how we bring that to an educational environment. I always say that you know you get what you focus on, how you rock up your truth and your core determines how, how everyone else moves in the room. If you focus on possible, you get possibilities. If you focus on open, you get openness. If you focus on limitations, you get limited. And in the same way that we're, we're determining what categories people can go forward for in sports, we constantly determine how people are going to do in education and we measure and we have this mindset and this attitude towards what's possible for people and I was really struck this afternoon because I had a meeting online with some some people who are teaching for me and one of them is particularly talented and gifted and she's changed so many people's lives and I suppose typically for me she's somebody that's she has what I, what I class as a healthy amount of insecurity, and she's very humble. And 
but he's trying to introduce her ideas to somebody new. And there's this sense of sort of automatically going and worrying about the content and worrying about the course and worrying about the practicalities of, of the exam papers. And I'm just like, no, like, but pull, pull it back here. You know, this is about confidence and mindset and giving people the ability to feel that they can write and that they can get over the blank page and that they can feel calm and that they have an approach and that they feel that they can articulate and express what is inside in them onto the page. And it really, like we were jumping the conversation between eight and 18. And it's the same approach that matters. It's the same skills. It's the same mindset that matters for the success of an eight-year-old that matters for the success of an 18-year-old finishing school. But there's this tendency to, to want to, to pick over people and measure and, and stream them off for this resource and this extra help, rather than helping people to just have the skills to be able to express themselves and to have the confidence and to get over the, the hang-ups that they've been presented with. And as I explained to a parent, like... They only feel that way because everyone else has made this a big deal and made them feel this way. They didn't go into school thinking, I'm not good enough, or my writing's not good enough, or my handwriting isn't good enough, or it really matters if I swap those letters around, or if I miss out that letter out of that word. And the reality is that at eight, for most people, they make mistakes, and it doesn't matter. But it only matters for him because there's a sense of there being a label present. And so everyone is sort of micromanaging it. And he's, he's basically under a microscope, and he now feels incredibly self-conscious. And so it's really to have somebody turn up for an hour a week and just make him feel like it's fun and that it's easy and that you can pick up the pencil and put something on the page and feel good about yourself. And you can extend that right the way through. You can extend that the whole way through university education or whatever online course that you're doing. And working with people right the way through to the other end of the spectrum on this who are approaching doing courses online who have maybe never felt that they were good in education. So that's what I'm going to try and, and do in this podcast series to try to show you how you create environments, and that it's not about making something inclusive or focusing on that. It's about your approach. If you create the right environment for people in the same way as we do for that eight-year-old or that 18-year-old, everyone feels capable. They don't have a fear. And you're not firefighting in your reactions to constantly manage something and constantly step in and, and make things inclusive because this has become the new kind of buzzword for everybody. You simply created an environment. And if I always say like that the irony is, is that if the environment works for people who do happen to have learning challenges, it works for everybody. And you get better results all around. 
But one of the most fundamental parts to actually creating that, believe it or not, is to turn up and be honest yourself and to actually turn up and show your own talents to actually deliver the information in the way that suits you best, whatever way that is. I'm going to slag off PowerPoint presentations a lot, I think, during the series when I get to the point where I talk about presentation. But like we, we've gotten ourselves into a sense of what we think we need to be as a teacher, especially online. The way that we think we have to deliver something to seem educated, to be on the other side of the screen or the other side of the, the podium or the you know, or to be standing at, at the board writing at the top of the room. We've, we've got ourselves into this sense of what we expect that person to be. And the best educators and the ones that I look for on my team don't do any of that. These are people who truly meet who they're teaching. All of those expectations of what a teacher should be are chucked out the window they actually turn up as the best of themselves. And that was a big part of the conversation I had today where I got people to, to swap their skills and to show each other what they were both really good at and to turn up as themselves, to stop sort of compressing themselves into what they think a teacher should be just because they've been in the teaching system. So that's a big introduction for this series and I am going to keep bouncing backwards and forwards to the last series because there's still a lot going on. But we have normalised measuring people in the world and deciding what's an ability and what's not and what goes in education and what doesn't and what does educated look like and what it doesn't. And you need to take all of those expectations and assumptions and find the nearest window to you and throw them out and start again.